guys, it's Ariana. Thanks so much for listening to One Story. One Story is a conversational series that aims to unite our community by inviting those around us to share their unique story. Through differences and similarities in our stories, we hope to illustrate that each person has an equally valid and meaningful story to share and foster an environment of hope, open-mindedness, and positivity. In part 12, you'll hear from Gabby. After three years of bullying and sexual harassment, Gabby Hickley planned her suicide. This left a lasting impression on her and tragically led to a battle with anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. In part 12, Gabby will speak on recognizing the humanity within each of us, the importance of maintaining and talking about mental health, and how she came to the realization that seeking help is not a weakness, but a strength. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ryan. Um, thank you all so much for coming. Um, and Gabby, thank you for electing to spend your Tuesday night, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thanks us. for having me. <laughs> yeah, our pleasure. Um, so the first question is the same question that I ask everybody that does one story, and that is making a playlist. So what is a song that you think we can't not know about? Yeah, so um, I think I'm going to have to say Mountain Song by Little Chief. Never heard of it. Um, it's mostly instrumental. Um, there's like a little bit of um, the lyrics at the end, but it's my favorite song because it's beautiful and it reminds me of like driving through the mountains and awesome. I feel like everybody should listen to that. <laughs> so you're, you're a mountain over a beach person? Oh no, I still like okay. the beach more. <laughs> I just like nature. Okay. Um, Okay, so tell us a little about your background, where you're from, family, interests, hobbies, whatever, just whatever you want to share. Go ahead. Yeah, so I've lived in Grove City my entire life. You're a townie. I am. I'm a townie. <laughs> um, yeah, um, my father passed away when I was four from ALS, um, so I have grown up with um, my mother and my two younger sisters. Um, I am a senior at Grove City College. Um, I have a double major in Biblical and Religious Studies and Christian Ministries. Um, some of the other activities I've done here is uh, cheerleading. I've been a part of that. You're, that automatically <laughs> means you're cool. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've been a cheerleader for all four years here, and um, I've also um, been a part of Young Life, um, yeah. the Hermitage Wildlife Team. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so for any, if any of you just didn't read her preview, um, you, unfortunately, have had some struggles with bullying and sexual harassment um, that ultimately led to you planning your suicide. So could you just maybe share a bit about where and how those initial struggles um, with bullying and sexual harassment began? Yeah, so it um, began in middle school. Um, I transferred from the uh, private Christian school that I was attending to the public middle school. Um, and I transferred, transfer, transferred, excuse me, <laughs> largely because of um, soccer. I'd grown up playing soccer. Um, so I wasn't super nervous about um, transferring. It wasn't like I was coming from a different state or anything like that. Um, I knew most of the people in Grove City. Um, and so I went in expecting to um, have a pretty decent friend group already built up around me, um, just from soccer and from knowing people in town. Um, and it became clear pretty quickly that um, 
a lot of things had changed by the time we hit middle school, and um, a lot of the girls that I thought I was friends with, um, somewhere along the way had become more of the popular crowd. Um, and so when I got there, I expected to just fit right in, um, no problems. And instead I was faced with a lot of challenges of them um, deeming me um, not popular enough or pretty enough or cool enough, whatever you want to insert into that, um, to be a part of their friend group anymore um, and to sit at their lunch table. That was the big thing. Um, and so that kind of framed my seventh grade year of just immediately being hit with um, this idea that I'm not blank enough um, to be a part of this friend group anymore. Um, and it, it wasn't too bad initially. Um, I, I was able to float around, you know, get to know people, um, but it definitely was a major hit to have these people that I expected to be my yeah. friends not be my friends yeah. anymore. Um, and not only that, but to have them constantly making it clear that um, not only could I not be their friend, but that they wanted to uh, make sure everybody else knew. Um, and then, so going into eighth grade then, I obviously had to make some new friends um, <laughs> because I couldn't just go through middle school alone. Um, so I found myself being um, included into what was most likely considered a rougher crowd um, just because of middle school social yeah. standards. Yeah. Um, Which are the worst. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the reason why I migrated towards them is because they were kind to me. Um, and they didn't have qualifications um, for me to be their friend. They just accepted me. Um, but because of that, and just because of the nature of middle school, that instantly gave me a reputation um, of being someone that I wasn't because yeah. you know, I was hanging out with people who potentially didn't make the same decisions that I would yeah. make. Um, and so then from that, I was suddenly labeled as a specific kind of person. Yeah. And through that, um, and even through like, you know, I was the new girl, so mm -hmm. some of the guys were interested in me. Mm -hmm. And um, all of that together gave me suddenly a label that um, brought with it a bunch of rumors about, about my character and about um, my actions um, that started to evolve around me. And then that then carried over into high school um, but that's when it elevated into um, more uh, sexual harassment. Um, and so eventually, uh, to relieve that, um, I transferred, transferred to uh, homeschooling to yeah. finish out my high school career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned that you transferred schools, um, but the damage from their actions was so significant that it left you um, with a fight with mental health. Um, was that struggle at like a quick, rapid onset, or was there a period where you sort of slowly realized, oh, wait a second, I, I actually am struggling with this? Yeah, I think it was both. Um, I was not someone who always struggled with anxiety. Um, so in that sense, it was um, my experience in middle school and high school that led to um, my struggles with anxiety and depression. Um, but it also took me a long time to realize um, exactly what I was struggling with. 
partially due to the fact that, you know, as a middle schooler, you're not very um, self-aware. <laughs> so I couldn't point out, yeah, I'm struggling with yeah. anxiety right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that I would say both. Both, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of us that don't really know what it's like to struggle with mental health, um, could you maybe share a little bit about what it's like to just sit in that space for an extended period? Because I think most of us know, like, to some degree what it's like to feel anxious. But um, being diagnosed with anxiety is something totally different. Yeah, something that I always struggle with when I talk about my experience is that um, I believe that people's struggles with mental health manifest differently. Um, So the struggles that I've had might not be the same for everybody who struggles with anxiety or everybody who struggles with depression. But for me, um, in terms of the anxiety that I struggle with, um, it largely is due to the fact that I spent, you know, three years more or less afraid um, and afraid of like physical harm. And so um, the anxiety that I experience manifests a lot more physically. So like, I feel like when we think of anxiety, it's like racing thoughts. Whereas what I struggle with is a lot more of um, my body shutting down, in a sense. Um, So like, my heart starts racing, my chest constricts, I get a stomach ache. Um, A lot of times we think of fight or flight, but what I do is freeze. Um, And you just, I'm just in that moment of like, I couldn't move if I wanted to. Um, But you know, I still have to function in the world, so a lot of times you don't see that. And then in terms of my struggle with depression, I think in high school it manifested more how we expect to see it when we think of depression. Um, The way that I think about it now and the way I describe it is just a dark cloud. That's just like what, what I see when I think about that time. That's just what surrounded me. It was just a dark cloud. It was very heavy. Um, But something that's been interesting is even now when I have those struggles, a lot of times I think you expect people to walk around and, and just be sad and have it be very visible that they're struggling with depression. Um, and that's not the case. Like a lot of people describe me as like the, the color yellow or like cheery and bubbly. Um, and I can be all of that and still be struggling with depression at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I understand that your freshman year was quite a low point for you. Um, and that that was when your struggles were the most severe um, and almost life-threatening. Um, how and why was that the case, and, and what did that year feel like for you emotionally? Yeah, so leading up to freshman year, um, I remember the night before with my mom absolutely sobbing, just being like, is there any way I can not go back to school? Um, like, And kind of the mindset that I was in at that point in time was, I just don't want anybody to see me. Like, I would prefer to be invisible. Um, If people cannot notice anything about me, that's fine. I just need to skate through this year like a fly on the wall. Um, And that is how it started. That is how my freshman year started. Um, And it was peaceful, (laughs) Um, more or less. It wasn't a good life to live, but at least nobody noticed me. Um, But then there, there was a moment where um, I'm a very loyal person, um, and 
there was a moment one day where I heard um, this group of guys picking on um, another girl and like just saying terrible things about her. And <laughs> being the person that I am, I walked up to them um, and did what I wished somebody ever would have done for me. And I said, you can't talk about her like Good that. Good for you. It's not okay. Good for you. Um, yeah, and would I ever change what I did? Absolutely yeah. not. But um, it did shift then the target back yeah. on me. Um, and so then kind of all of the old rumors from middle school were brought back up. Um, but this is when it, it elevated to um, a new level because instead of being targeted by, you know, petty middle school girls, um, I was being targeted by uh, roughly 10, you know, junior, senior guys. Um, and um, it was interesting because I had a lot of classes with them um, and they didn't really know me other than this. Like they probably never would have known me other than this. Um, but it felt like I could never escape them and it felt like I was in an environment where um, if I got too close, um, I was immediately unsafe. Um, and so I, I was afraid for my physical safety and then also along with that, um, just getting comments all the time, um, you know, inappropriate comments about my body, um, people telling me that, like, I should kill myself, people telling me that I was fat, you know, just every possible insult you can think of um, coming at you all at the same time. Um, and eventually it got to a point where, you know, I heard that enough and um, I started to think it was my fault. Um, I started to hate myself and um, think those things about me. I was like, well, if everybody's saying that I'm fat, I must be fat. Um, you know, if everybody's saying I should kill myself, maybe I should. Um, and that was when some of the more serious um, mental health struggles began. Um, that was definitely when the anxiety ramped up. Um, that was when the depression uh, kicked in a lot more. Um, and then that was when um, I started to develop uh, a struggle with eating. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the, the beginning of thinking that maybe suicide was the best option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we talked, you mentioned that you had planned your suicide around this time. And I just want to tell you personally, like, I am so sorry that it ever even got close to that point. Um, what was that decision, uh, what, 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 what was the, the decision to make that, that plan like for you? Um, and was there one specific event that was like a major catalyst for you? Or did the years of mistreatment just pile up and it started to feel just completely unbearable or a hybrid of those two? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we can all agree that suicide is a very drastic um, option um, and that it's not something that people approach lightly. Um, so for me it was, it was three years of mistreatment um, piling up to just complete and utter hopelessness. And um, when you're in a space like that, the only thing you're thinking about is how can I make this stop? Like, what is the easiest way to make this stop? Um, and there were 
you know, many roads that I could have taken, but it felt like the only way to make it stop was to take myself out of the equation. Um, which is really sad <laughs> when you think about it that awesome. I'm struggling with this thing that other people are doing to yeah. me and I feel like the only solution yeah. is that I should not be a part of it anymore. Um, how and why did you decide to walk away from your plan? This part of my story is definitely the hardest part. Um, it's something I wrestle with a lot. Um, it is something that I feel guilty about at times. Um, so ultimately, one of the main reasons why I decided not to commit suicide was because um, in that same year, my freshman year of high school, um, a girl that I grew up with did commit suicide. Um, and I didn't know why she did it. I didn't know the lead up. It was a shock um, to a lot of us. But what I did see was how it affected me, um, how it affected her friends, how it affected her family. Um, and, you know, it was devastating because it's always devastating. Um, and it was in that moment that I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't do that. Um, like, there's no, no possible way that doing that to the people I love is going to make the situation better. Um, and this, this story of my life is largely wrapped up in how I became a Christian as well. Um, so this transition period, um, is when, um, the Lord started to work in my life. Um, and it's when, again, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I ended up turning to a relationship with the Lord and, um, he was the one that gave me hope and helped me to move forward in that. Um, unfortunately, and you and I talked about this, there is somehow still stigma uh, surrounding mental health and, and seeking help for, for mental health. Um, but it was around this time that you decided that you needed help um, and, and got it. So just to be clear, that help was necessary for you. And why? Absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah, it was absolutely necessary. Um, I went through most of this by myself, um, and I went through it by myself because I didn't bring anybody in. Um, I told absolutely nobody for really up until, um, this point where my friend committed suicide, I had not really told anybody. Um, and it was in that moment when I was hopeless that I was like, I must bring other people into this. I don't care what potential consequences could be. Um, we're not meant to bear burdens like this by ourselves. Um, and then through that, I've been able to find a lot of healing by bringing other people in, um, whether it was the help of you know, being removed and going to a different school, um, the help of all of the counseling that I've been in, in the past seven years. Um, yeah, absolutely. Help was necessary. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we, we both agree that mental health is not talked about enough anywhere, but especially here. Um, why do you think that is, and what can we as a community do to encourage those conversations? So this was something that I wrestled with a lot because, as I said, um, this whole time period is also the beginning of my life with Christ, and so I really wrestled with how. 
I can have, you know, this new life in Christ and also still really be struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. Like, how do those things go together when so much of what we hear is, you know, joy and, and happiness and peace and how does that work? Um, and I think something that I've realized more recently as I've still been wrestling with this is that we need to get rid of the idea that Christians need to be happy all the time um, because I don't think that's true and I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us um, and I absolutely believe that there can be joy in all circumstances I absolutely believe that we can praise God in all circumstances but I also think that we have emotions and we have struggles that we are still dealing with. Um, and that's, you can have both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think a way to just get this rolling is just recognizing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said multiple times in the like, week-ish, it hasn't even been that long that I've known you. Um, <laughs> That yeah, quick guys. Um, <laughs> that recognizing the humanity within each of us is imperative, um, and we talked about the idea that maybe if we did that more, um, there wouldn't be such a stigma around mental health um, and seeking treatment for it. So why is that so important to you? I absolutely believe um, and hope that I would have been treated differently if people had taken the time to really think about the fact that they were speaking to another human being. Um, I, I firmly believe that. Um, I think when we look at somebody and we don't just think about what we want, but we think about what, who this other person is in front of us, and especially from a Christian worldview that every single person we're looking at is made in the image of God, um, that changes everything. Um, it changes it changes the way we speak to people. It changes the way we speak about people. Um, it changes the way we treat people. And it's hard. You know, I notice a difference in the way I treat people when I'm actively thinking about them being someone made in the image of God and when I'm not. Um, but there's, a, there's an inherent dignity that comes with that. Um, and... Also recognizing that has helped me a lot because, like I said, um, everything that I've been through really made me start to hate myself um, and made me start to think that, that I was bad, um, you know, that my body was bad, that it was my fault that all of this stuff was happening. And um, just recognizing that truth has helped me to realize that I was created, and I was created this way for a reason, and it's a good creation. Um, and it's not something that I should be ashamed of. Um, unfortunately, asking for help, be it mentally or otherwise, um, is often perceived as a weakness, and that needing to lean on somebody else is a sign of somehow inferiority. Um, but we both think that it's the opposite. Um, and that admitting that you're struggling and need help is totally a sign of strength. Um, so why do you believe this and what part uh, or parts of your experience um, sort of led you to this belief? So 
I have an analogy, and I came up with it by myself, and I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> um, so imagine I'm walking around carrying this gigantic rock, like a rock that it's not really humanly possible for me to carry it by myself. But I'm walking around, and I'm carrying it by myself, and I'm doing that day after day after day. Um, and every single day that I'm continuing to hold this rock by myself, I'm getting weaker. Um, it's getting harder for me to walk around, um, probably becoming more irritable to the people around me, you know. Um, and then one day somebody else comes in and they take part of that rock and they start to hold it up. And then the rock gets a little lighter for me. And then another person comes in and they start to help with the rock and then it gets lighter. And through that, I grow stronger because I'm not trying to carry this whole rock by myself anymore. Um, I think that's what it looks like yeah. when we get help. Yeah. It's not a weakness because it's not something that we were ever meant to be carrying around by ourselves anyways. Um, and the second we invite other people in, it doesn't make the problem go away. I never ever want to set somebody up to think that it's going to make the problem go away. because That's not true. But it immediately makes the problem lighter. And it brings in... Um, a sense of hope that you didn't have before because the problem is no longer impossible yeah. to walk through. Um, and that's, I noticed that the second I did ask for help, um, and even through, like I said, all the counseling that I've been through, like, the problem and the struggle is still there. Yeah. And nothing has changed, but it's gotten lighter. And I can walk through life easier yeah. the more that I ask people for help and work through it. Yeah. So just yesterday, but I don't think it's a really good analogy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing now? Yeah. This question, I helped with this question. <laughs> and I still don't like it because I want to sit up here and I want to say, everything's great. You know, life is perfect. Life is great. Um, that's not the way it works. Um, you know, I, for a really long time, First of all, like I said, I blamed myself. Um, I was functioning in a lot of denial of either I did something to make this happen or maybe it just didn't happen at all. Maybe I'm just being dramatic. Maybe I read into a situation and it wasn't actually like that. Um, and the more that I've been removed from the situation and the more that I've been able to process through it and um, talk through it, um, I've finally been able to come to a place where I'm like, no, this did happen. It did happen exactly the way that I thought it happened. Um, and it's not okay, and it's not my fault. And it doesn't make sense to me still why it happened, but um, I'm healing, yeah. you know? And I'm still struggling with anxiety. I struggle with anxiety every day. Yeah. Um, but it's not a hopeless struggle anymore. Um, and it might be something I struggle with for the rest of my life. It might be healed one day. Um, and either way, you know, I'm going <laughs> I'm to continue to love others the way that I always want to be loved. Um, I'm going to continue to um, praise the Lord in all circumstances. Um, and... I'm going to continue to encourage other people that their struggles are not the end. Yeah. Um, 
this is my last question for Gabby, and then if any of you guys have questions, you can feel free to ask them. Um, but if there's one message you want us to walk away with today, what is it? So I have three. <laughs> but they all go together. Um, the first one is that the way you treat people matters. Um, I think it's really clear. Um, when I was in middle school and even in high school, I don't think anybody thought what they were doing would have such a drastic effect on me. Um, I don't even think they think about it today. You know, I don't think that it was a big deal to them, but it was a big deal to me. Um, and that's really important because we have no idea how what we are doing is going to affect other people for years down the road. Um, the next thing is that your struggle is not your identity. Um, I even try to be really careful when I talk about my struggle with anxiety and, my, and then my struggle with depression. Um, I don't like claiming it as my identity because that's not who I am. Um, I'm so much more than that. Um, and it's very easy to think that your struggle is who you are, but that's not the case. Um, and finally, don't carry your burdens alone. You were not created to do that. It is never going to make things better. Um, and there are plenty of people who are willing to step up beside you. Um, really quick before we open it up to questions. Um, Gabby, I know this topic is very serious. Um, and that a lot of people struggle with mental health. Um, so we just wanted to make you all aware of Crisis Text Line. Um, they help people that are in crisis or um, that are struggling with mental health. Um, it's totally anonymous. You can text home to 741-741 at any time of the day or night. Um, and you'll be met with a live, totally trained crisis counselor. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but. Yeah, it's not a shameful thing to text that number or to reach out for help in any way. It's so worth it. It really is. Um, so if any of you have questions, Javon is going to come around with a mic. Um, but if you don't, it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gabby, thanks just so much for sharing. Um, and I, I know it's a really hard topic, and it's really hard for people to open up. So um, say, like, a friend opens up to me about mental health problems that they are having. Um, I think it's really easy a lot of times for us to just, like, oh, my gosh, how can I, like, help them and fix them, almost. So. What is advice from your own experience for how I can be a good friend to that person um, and support them through that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's funny because I struggle with mental health and that is still my first reaction. Be like, oh, how can I help? How can I fix this problem? Um, when you're already struggling, the least helpful thing is for somebody to give you more things to do. Um, and I think that's something that I've struggled with, especially in the Christian community where people have the mindset that we should be happy Christians all the time because I feel like the immediate reaction is, well, maybe there's some sin that's causing you to feel this way or maybe you're not spending time with God right now and that's your problem. Um, and sometimes that could be the case. I'm not going to say that's never the case, but a lot of times that's not the case. Um, and what a person really needs in a moment like that is to know that there's somebody who's going to listen to them. 
Um, and sometimes they will ask for advice, and if they ask for advice, then please give them advice. But don't try to assume that you know how they're feeling before you give them ample time to actually explain how they're feeling. Um, and even just being intentional enough to ask the questions that draw out how somebody is actually doing. It's really easy to say, how are you doing, and somebody just say, good. But if you sit down and you take the time to actually ask, no, how are you doing? How is life going? Then somebody who's struggling that you might not have realized is much more willing to open up. Any other questions? Characteristic of the Lord, do you think that you have like hung most closely to um, as you have dealt with mental health? Like, what characteristic of the Lord has really, um, I guess, like spoken to your soul and been like the reassurance that you felt like you needed and the peace that you felt like you needed and just actually allowed you to heal and start to move forward? This question could make me cry, so bear with me. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the characteristic of the Lord that I've really been clinging to in this time um, is, um, I believe it's Elroy, but just in case I'm wrong, I don't want to hold to that too tightly, but it's the God who sees me. Um, and that has been, that has been so powerful, because that's what I wanted. I wanted, even though I said that I hoped that I was invisible. I wanted somebody to see me for who I actually was. Um, and to take the time to get to know me and to love me, even though I am broken. You know, even though um, I still have struggles. Um, yeah, that's me. Okay. Um, so you said that after, uh, after your freshman year is when you felt like you really started building upon your relationship with the Lord. Um, was it just being in such a low point that made you turn there? Was there a person in your life that encouraged you to look at God in a way you hadn't thought about looking at him before? Um, yeah, what prompted you to lean into him more in that time in your life? I think it was both. Um, it was being at such a low point. Um, I'm very much a person who likes to be in control. Um, I like to control the things around me, and so when I was extremely out of control, um, and like I said, when I made the decision not to commit suicide, I still didn't know what to do. And um, I had grown up in a Christian household. I'd heard the gospel my entire life. Um, and it was almost a moment of, I don't know what to do, I'm very clearly not in control, so I must turn to the Lord. Um, and that was also largely due to my mom. I had this night where I had an absolute breakdown. <laughs> um, 
And it sounds very dramatic now, but it was not in the moment where I, it felt like a literal weight was on my shoulders and to the point where it forced me to the ground and I just started sobbing and crying out to the Lord. And I was like, I don't know, I don't understand you, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know that you must have a plan because clearly none of the plans that I've made for myself are working. Um, and, and then after having that, um, you know, I, I ran to my mom and my mom was like, I think we should pray and I think we should um, just spend time talking to the Lord and, you know, figure this out with him. Um, and that's what we did. And, and that night I committed my life to the Lord, um, but it wasn't an immediate turning point for me. It's been a long, you know, this the past seven years and counting, it's been a long progression of figuring out how to um, welcome the Lord's healing into my life and allow him to transform my life. Any other questions? For Gabby, before we call him No? Okay, well, Gabby, thank you so much for sharing with us. You're totally awesome and brave, and we're really grateful for you and your willingness to share with us, so thank you. Thank you for listening, and certainly thank you to Gabby for sharing your story with us. Check back in a few weeks for part 13. We'll see you then.